Thank you for tuning in to Conroe United Pentecostal Church today. We pray that this podcast is a blessing to you. If there is ever anything we can do for you, please email admin at conroeubc.org. Romans chapter 4. Who, contrary to hope, in hope he believed so that he became the father of many nations. Who, contrary to hope, in hope he believed. Even though it was a hopeless situation, he still had hope. Of course, we're talking about Abraham here. According to what was spoken, so shall your descendants be. Verse number 19 says, and not being weak in faith. Everybody say weak in faith. We don't need to be weak in faith. He did not consider his own body. He didn't consider his own body to be weak or already dead since he was about 100 years old. And he did not even consider the deadness of his wife Sarah's womb, even though that she was equally as old and she was past the the barren years of her life. He did not even let that affect them. Verse 20 says, Abraham did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but he was strengthened in faith, and he was strengthened because he gave glory to God. Verse 21 says, and being fully convinced that what he had promised, talking of Jesus promising Abraham, what God had promised Abraham, he was also able to perform and to fulfill the promise. I mean, I'm thankful that when the Lord makes a promise to us and when he, when he gives us his word, we can stand on his word and we can trust in the fact that what he said will come to pass. It might not come when we want it. It might not come when we think it. It might not happen how we thought it was going to happen. But we can stand in confidence tonight knowing that God has never left us and he has never failed us and he will never leave us and he will never fail us. Amen. You may be seated this evening. You may be seated. Amen. See, there's times in life when you can't lose hope. How many of you have lost hope before? I'll I'll raise my hand. I'll be honest. I have lost hope and where I was at. I thought that I was in a helpless, hopeless situation, amen. But it's very important that we not lose hope, not because I want to motivate you tonight and and not because I want to be a motivational speaker, but tonight uh, I want to point you back to what Scripture says because, like I always say, our life should be based upon the principles that Scripture has to offer for our life, amen. So we should never lose hope. The situations that we face uh, may seem hopeless. They might seem dark. I don't know what you carry tonight. You don't know what the person next to you on the other end of that pew is carrying and what they are going through, the uh, uh, the valley that they are having to walk through. We don't know that. Uh, But one thing we do know is no matter how deep the valley may be and no matter how dark uh, the night may be, no matter how bad the problem might be, we can trust that God is still going to be. He's still going to be with us. Uh, We can trust that God is still going to bring us through. And I'm thankful tonight that in the middle of the beginning, or excuse me, at the beginning of all of the holiday season. I'm thankful that we can pause tonight and just tell God how thankful we are. I'm thankful tonight for every valley that he's brought me through. I'm thankful for every hardship. I'm thankful for every funeral. I'm thankful for every lost relationship. I'm thankful for the heartache. I'm also thankful for the blessings. I'm thankful for the new relationship. I'm thankful for I'm thankful for a great church family. I'm thankful for a beautiful wife and healthy kids. I'm thankful for a heritage that is rich and 
biblical principle. I'm thankful for generations uh, that's gone before me that's preached the gospel on both sides of my family. I'm thankful that my wife has the same testimony as I have. Uh, I am a rich man that stands before you tonight. And I am so very thankful for what all God has done for me. And in the middle of my darkest hour, in the, in the loneliest hour that I live, in the most depressing moment in which I face, I always want to find the hope that people have had it worse than me and they made it through. So if they were worse than I am and they made it through, I believe that God is going to pull me through this valley that I am in tonight. Church family, don't lose hope in the valley. Don't lose your faith in the valley, but just put your hand in, in the hand of God knowing that he will never leave you and he will never forsake you. Somebody ought to give God praise for that tonight, that he will never leave you. You might lose relationships, you might lose employment, you might, uh, you might even lose retirement, you might lose loved ones, uh, you might lose a lot of things in life, but you will never lose the comfort and the peace that passes all understanding as long as you are following God's word, as long as your life is built upon the principles that are outlined in his word. Philippians chapter 4 verse 19 says, and my God shall supply all of your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. I don't know what you need tonight, uh, and, I, and, and I know we all have needs, and I know we all have desires, and I know we all want more than what we have, uh, but whatever it is tonight that you think you need, I just want to tell you that God can supply your needs. God is a God who provides. God is a God who is interested in your well-being, not just uh, not just your physical well-being, but more than, your, uh, more than you and your wife and your family prospering in your friend group and all your relationships relationships prospering. God wants your soul to prosper. Tonight I want to challenge you to make sure that your, show, uh, uh, that your soul prospers. Uh, tonight I want to encourage you to keep the main thing the main thing. When we keep the main thing the main thing in those dark hours uh, it's a lot easy to encourage ourselves in the Lord as scripture says. Uh, sometimes nobody will encourage you. Sometimes you're going to be lonely and you're going to have to encourage yourself in the Lord. And the only way that you can ever encourage yourself in the Lord is by having faith that God can do the good work that he promised. Don't look down, don't be depressed, but have faith that God will do what he said that he will do. Amen. God will never fail you. It's important that you understand God will never fail you. Why don't you look at your neighbor and smile, act like you're happy to be here tonight, act like you want to be here tonight, and say God will never fail. God will never fail. He will never fail. So put your trust Put your trust in his ability to work on your behalf. Put your trust in God's ability. Solomon said in Proverbs chapter 3, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him, acknowledge God, and he shall direct your paths. So no matter, so no matter what the world does, no matter how broken society gets, put your trust in Almighty God. Put your trust in him and don't lose 
lean into your own understanding. Don't try and make it through life and, and don't, don't try and force uh, situations to happen that you can do on your own and don't try and force uh, relationships to be formed that you can do on your own. But why don't you just trust God that he's going to lead you on a good path and, and who needs to be with you on that path and what needs to be with you on that path is going to be there. Don't lean into your own understanding. Don't trust your own thinking. Don't trust your heart. As scripture says, our heart is the most deceitful thing of all. But we must lean into the understanding that God is in control and acknowledge his will and acknowledge his paths and he will see you through. Church family, the Lord will see you through. How many can testify tonight that God has seen you through a trial? God has brought you through a hard time. Amen, 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 amen. He has done that, and I'm thankful. Romans chapter 4, verse 20 is one of the scriptures that we read at the very beginning. He, speaking of Abraham, did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief. Everybody say unbelief. Unbelief. But he was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God. He was strengthened in faith. Everybody say faith. Faith. Abraham thank God for Isaac. What, uh, what this whole verse of scripture is talking about is the, uh, uh, this is when the Lord had promised uh, Abraham and Sarah that they were going to have a baby and they, they really, they were, they, uh, they were past that time in life. That, uh, um, uh, they were past that emotionally, physically. They were past the, that. It wasn't possible for that to happen. But they, but they recognized that God had promised uh, 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 Abraham and Sarah recognized that God had promised them that they would be the mother and the father of, of a great nation. And they didn't know exactly what that meant or how that would happen, but they knew that if God said it, it was going to happen. And so what you're seeing in this verse of scripture right here is that they did not lose their faith and they did not lose their hope, but rather they worshiped God in advance for what God had promised he was going to do. And we've heard this a lot, and I don't and I don't want to say this tonight to be cliche, but sometimes you really do have to worship God before the promise ever comes to pass. Sometimes you have to worship God in the storm. Sometimes you have to you have to push yourself back from your desk in the workplace and worship God. When when they just dumped that project on you that needed to be done yesterday. Sometimes uh, when you're dealing with your family problems and your financial struggles, uh, you just have to push yourself back from the budget uh, and you have to worship God. Not because your problems, but because he is your God. And it has nothing to do with your problems, uh, but it has everything to do with who he is. We must never forget the fact that we were created to worship. We were not created for any other reason but to worship God. And so when we get at the worst moment of our life, when we are in the trial or the fight of our life, the best thing for you and I to do is to simply worship. It's to simply lift our hands and tell the Lord how much we love Him. And it will start in the form of praise. But as you begin to praise God and as you begin to thank God, you will at some point, I can't tell you when or how it happens, but it happens in the supernatural realm. You will go beyond the veil. You, you, you will go from this realm into the realm of the heavenly and to the eternal and you will sit uh, with the angels you will sit uh, in heavenly places and you will have communion uh, with the Lord but the only way that we can ever do that uh, is if we can make up in our mind I'm going to worship uh, before it comes to pass uh, I'm going to worship uh, in the storm uh, I'm going to worship through the sickness uh, I'm going to 
worship in the middle of my confusion. Uh, I am going to worship God. There needs to be a revival of worship in this church. Uh, There needs to be a revival of worship in this community. There needs to be a revival of worship uh, in this nation. Uh, If you want to have good church, why don't you have good worship? Uh, If you want to have good families, uh, why don't you have good worship? And worship is hard to do because worship is not about you. Worship is about something and someone that's much greater than you. That's why it's important that we not be selfish, but we be selfless. It's impossible for a born-again believer to be a selfish person because you were bought with a price and, and, and your DNA was changed and your blood was changed. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. God gave, so we should give. That is the most important, most simple, most fundamental principle that we must build our life on. If you ever, if you're ever in an environment that's tight and it's tense, whether it be church or on your job, probably the reason why it's like that is because there's been a selfish agenda that has been pushed. It hasn't been the agenda of the whole on the workplace, or it hasn't been the agenda of God for a church service. And I'm not pointing fingers, and I'm not saying anything about tonight's service, so please don't misunderstand me. But I'm saying is when we have, uh, when we have the mind of Christ, uh, we lose the mind of flesh. Uh, and we put on an incorruptible crown and we can think uh, heavenly thoughts and we can do uh, heavenly deeds uh, and we can go to heavenly places and we can minister to people who we could not minister to before. But we must uh, have a heart uh, of worship uh, to do it. Uh, you can never do a spiritual work in a carnal manner. Amen. We must, uh, we must be thankful in the middle of all situations that we go through. Like Abraham and Sarah, they worshipped uh, before their promise was even delivered. They worshipped uh, in the middle of a barren season of life. Uh, you see, this is something that we must always remember. A thankful person has strong faith. A thankful person is a person of strong faith, uh, while a fearful, doubting person has weak faith. So if you want to know how, where, uh, uh, if, if you want to know how strong a person's faith is, if you want to know how if you want to know how close to the Lord someone is, uh, just look at how they act. Look at how thankful they are. Look at how fearful they are. Look at how doubtful they are. If they are full of doubt and fear, they are not full of faith. That is the polar opposite. Uh, we must be a thankful people so the Lord can accomplish what He wants to accomplish in our life. I should have got a bigger amen on that subject, but it's all right. It's all right. Amen. It's amazing at how a thankful or a positive outlook. Everybody say positive. It's amazing how a thankful or positive outlook on life will help you get through the dark or negative seasons of life. It's amazing how a good perspective, how a good mindset will help you get through the darkest and the most difficult seasons of life. If you paid attention to the news the last couple of weeks, you probably saw or heard or read that there was a pastor of a, of a non-denominational church in Indianapolis, Indiana, whose wife was raped and murdered 
um, and she was also pregnant, and obviously there was a life, there was another life lost because of the pregnancy. While they had a toddler girl that sat and watched it, watched it all happen, and thankfully the perpetrators did not mess with the girl, and she is okay. But the very next day, when all of this happened, that pastor went and he posted his message for the media and for all you know how all that stuff happens. Uh, he he didn't have a publicist. Obviously, he pastored a small church. He doesn't have a lot of money, so he posted his public statement on his church website and basically the uh, 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 basically the theme of his message was no matter what happens I recognize that God is in control and I'm hurting right now and I don't understand everything right now and I'm confused right now but my faith is in the Lord uh, that man came under such a heavy attack on Facebook and on all these news sites uh, even even commentators were attacking him because how could a man be positive through a dark time of life like, uh, a dark time of life like he is walking through and he might not have all of truth and he might not understand everything that scripture has to say but he has recognized that the only way that he's going to get through this dark horrible tragic situation is to have the comfort of almighty God and that his faith in Jesus is the only thing that's going to get him through Chuck and Ashley Martin are some of my wife's friends they are they're on staff at a church in Houston um, and they've uh, 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 they have a boy named Renly. He is my wife's. Uh, he's my wife's age. He is Presley's age. They they're, uh, uh, they're cute buddies. It, it's re it's really cute to watch them when they're together every now and then. And then they uh, they've been wanting for a couple years to have another baby. They were specifically praying for a little girl, and it just wasn't happening. They went to doctors, and the doctors said it's probably not going to happen. It was a very dark and hopeless situation. And so they took the matter to prayer, and they knew that if anything was going to happen, it would only happen because. God wanted to uh, wanted it to happen, and they believed that, that God was going to make it happen. And so, a few months ago, they found out that they were pregnant. Eight months ago, they found out that they were having a baby, and then just a couple months ago, they found out that they were having the little girl that they had always dreamed of having. And everything was beautiful. The nursery, uh, the nursery was done. Friends and family were uh, we were celebrating with them. The church that they work at was celebrating with them. It was a very beautiful thing until last week uh, on a Friday evening. Ashley realized that she had not felt the baby's heartbeat and she hadn't felt the baby move uh, all day long and so she called the doctor and the doctor said get to the hospital right now and they rushed to the hospital and a few hours later there, uh, there was a stillborn baby that was born and, and their hopes were shattered and everything was shattered and we found out about this last Sunday morning in church uh, in church we found out about it and the message that was sent to us uh, was we don't understand why it happened and we hurt because of this is happening we are tearful but we recognize that God is leading us church family that must be the mentality in which the Christian lived by we walk through death we walk through loss of relationship we, we walk through it all but blessed is he who is the God of Israel blessed is he who sets up kingdoms and tears down kingdoms when we hurt he is good when, we, uh, when we're on top of the mountain, he is good. No matter where we find ourselves, church family, we can testify that God is good. Church family, I encourage you to get a proper perspective of who God is. Get a proper perspective of what God's plan is for your life. And when we have that proper perspective, we can walk through the saddest of situations. We can walk through the lowest of valleys and recognize that he is still good. And we we still have so much to be thankful for. 
Come on, from the bottom of your heart, could you just give him thanks for all that he has done in your life? I thank you, Jesus. I thank you for loving me. I thank you for saving me, Jesus. I thank you, Lord, for what you've done and what you're going to do, Jesus. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Abraham was 100 years old. Everybody say 100. That's old. That's really old. That's really old. Uh, scripture talks about the dead. Scripture talks about the deadness of Sarah's womb. Yet uh, God promised Abraham to be a father of a great nation. Scripture, not friends, not not hearsay through the grapevine that's been twisted and manipulated through thousands of years of history and culture. No, Scripture says, and if Scripture says it, that means it's true. Scripture talks about the deadness of Sarah's womb. There was no hope. It wasn't going to happen. She was past that point of life. She was now barren. It wasn't going to happen. But yet God said, I know this is how your body is supposed to work. I know that this is the stage of life you're supposed to be in at 100 years old. But let me just tell you, Abraham and Sarah, it's not going to make sense to anybody else. But I'm going to rise up a great nation out of you. You are going to be the parents of a great nation and people might not understand it, but it's going to happen. Church family, God might make promises to you that no one around you understands. And you may be even ridiculed for or mocked for or snickered about or, or gossiped over. But please keep your trust in God and recognize that I would much rather have the promise of God than the approval of man. I would much rather live in the will of God than the will of the flesh. I would much rather walk in the spirit than to walk in in the flesh. I would much rather know that I have God's approval and God's promise and God's and God's attention than to notice that those around me have my attention. Church family, we must keep the attention of heaven and not the attention of culture. For when we keep the attention, we will have the attention of culture. And culture will want to follow. Culture will want to see. Culture will want to have what we have. But they don't want to have what we have if we don't have a proper perspective of who God is. Verse number 19 says, and not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already being dead. He didn't even think. The thought never crossed Abraham's mind. What? I'm a hundred years old. What? It, it never crossed his mind. God said it, so it's going to happen. When God comes to you and gives you a promise and gives you a word, or when pastor is preaching the word of God and you feel like the Lord speaks to you, don't even let your stinking thinking get in the way. Don't even let your flesh get in the way. Just if God says it, if pastor says I should do this, then I'm going to do it. If the voice of the Lord is telling me this, I'm just going to trust and I'm going to obey and I'm going to believe that the supernatural is going to take place. See, in the middle of a dead season, God gave a life-giving promise, a life-bearing promise in the middle of Abraham and Sarah's barren, dead, desolate season. Let that sink in. Let that sink in. Maybe, maybe take it out of context and put it in context in your life. Your struggles, your problems, your doubts, your fears, your unbeliefs, the area that you are struggling with that seems to be dead and barren, but yet God gave a life 
giving promise over that situation. You say, you may be in a dead season. Listen to me tonight. You might be in a dead season, but God can give you a life-bearing promise. That's not limited to biblical days. A revival that we read about in Acts 2 is not, is not limited to the Bible, but it's, all, it's for whosoever will, for the promise is unto you and to your children and your children's children. That's how Scripture works. That's God's will. If God did it back then, he will do it today. So you might be in a dead season, but God can still give you a life-bearing promise. You might think you, you're going to be lonely for the rest of your life. The situation might look dead and barren, but God is going to make a way and he's going to give you a life-bearing promise. Your finances might look dead, but God is sending a life-bearing promise, a life-giving promise. Your career might look dead and you might think that you don't know how you're going to overcome the obstacles, but hear me tonight as I speak under the authority of the Holy Ghost, God is going to give a life-giving promise. You may consider your circumstances a lost cause, but God can bring them back to life. God can raise it back to life. God can restore what you think you have lost. He can do that, and he wants to do that for his children. Church family, the Lord loves you. The Lord wants you to, pro- uh, the Lord wants you to prosper. He wants you to succeed, but you first have to get in line with what his book says and what his principles for our lives say. You may find yourself questioning the, your place in life. I've done it before. God, what are you doing in my life? God, where am I at? I don't even know what I'm doing. I don't even know how I got here. Has anybody ever done that tonight? Maybe you can raise a hand or two. Some of us can raise both hands and both feet. Yeah. You may find yourself in that place in life, but God might just be getting you ready to give you a new promise that is going to blow your mind and anything, any dream that you have ever had can be blown and can be, it can be totally exceeded with one promise from the Lord. You see, Abraham believed the promise of God. Everybody say believe. Believe. He believed the promises of God. And Abraham's faith brought to life God's promises. It would have never happened. Isaac would have never been born if Abraham and Sarah did not have the faith that Isaac could be born. It could have never happened unless they had the faith to act upon what God had said. Tonight, for just a few more minutes, for just a few more minutes, I I, I, I just, I, I want to challenge you and to encourage you that no matter what life throws you away, God can turn it around for the good. No matter what life throws your way, no matter what comes your way that is out of your control, God can turn the situation around. You could walk through a barren, dead situation for a hundred years like Abraham and Sarah, but God can turn it around. You see, because the beautiful thing about it is now, fast forward in the story, Abraham and Sarah, they now have their miracle, they now have their promise, they now have... uh, Excuse me, they now have an Isaac. uh, The season changed. Everybody say season. 
the season, we're feeling the season change the last week. Everybody's sick because last weekend the wind started to blow and the rain started to fall and the weather started to cool and now everybody's sick. And last week I had no voice and this week I, it feels like every fluid in my head is just dumping out of my nostrils and it's just a beautiful, ugly scene. It's a beautiful mess, if you will, because the season has changed. I'm so thankful that my wife is laughing with me because nobody else is. Amen. So the season is changing, and just like that happens in life, that happens in the spiritual realm. The season changes. You see, for a hundred years, it was a barren season for Abraham and Sarah, a dead season. Nothing was happening, and then the season changed. It changed. It changed. All of a sudden, there was new laughter. All of a sudden, there was new life. All of a sudden, there was all of this. And I'm sure, like all parents, most parents, there was great laughter, there was great joy, and it can be proven in Scripture by going to Genesis chapter 21. Sarah says this, Genesis 21 and 6, and Sarah said, God has made me laugh. God has made me laugh. I, now, I don't know if Sarah was laughing because she was a 100-year-old lady with a baby, or I don't know if she was laughing because she finally had her baby that she had hoped for. I don't know if it was a sarcastic laugh. I don't know if it was a, I'm laughing to keep from crying. I don't know with, oh, God, what am I going to do? I'm on a walker, and I have a baby on my hip. I don't know what type of laugh it was, but Scripture says it was a laugh. Scripture says it was a laugh. And what I gather from that is that means the season changed. That means the time changed. Their faith in God's promise brought them from a barren season to a happy and a thankful season. Much like the season that you and I are entering into this week. It's been hard work, but bless God, this week we're going to work, but we ain't doing a thing. Woo, it's party time. We got a couple more weeks. So, some of you guys have saved up your vacation time in the last couple of weeks of the year. You're not even going into the office. You'll answer a few emails. You'll do a couple lunch meetings. You'll do whatever you have to do. But it's party time because the season had changed. And Abraham and Sarah had found themselves at a party time of life. Yes, they were 100 years old and they liked to sleep and they liked to lay around and they liked to do their crossword puzzles as they rode behind their donkey. They liked to do all of that, but now they're up in the middle of the night changing diapers. Now they're doing things that they wish they could have been doing 80 years prior. But the season had changed. But you must always remember that no matter how old they were, they were still thankful that God's promise came through. Church family, no matter what you think, God's promise can come through. Some of you are getting that in your heart right now. Some of you, it's finally connecting. Some of you, it's starting to resonate in your spirit that, that I might have walked down this path for so long, but I see the light at the end of the tunnel, and it's not, a un, it's not an oncoming train. It's the hope of God's promises coming to pass. It's the hope of fulfilled dreams. It's the hope of fulfilled vision. Some of you have cried yourself to sleep at night. God, when are you going to do this in my life? When are you going to do this in my family? When is my dreams going to be fulfilled? When am I going to really find my real purpose in life? Church family, don't doubt in the valley, but realize that the season is going to change and you're going to be rejoicing one day because of it.
Genesis chapter 22. Now, we talked about that barren season, that, that dead season where nothing was happening that they wanted to happen. Then we talked about the party. And then shortly after the party, not very long, the season changed again. And the test came. Genesis 22, I believe, in 6. 22 and 1, excuse me, 22 and 1. Now it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham. Everybody say tested. And he said to him, Abraham, and Abraham said, here am I. Here am I. That's a whole lesson. That's a whole sermon right there that when the Lord calls us, even in a test, we should answer. See, in the middle of the party, in the middle of the festivities, in the middle of the baby showers, in the middle of all of that, they were still uh, they were still trying to write the thank you cards for the box of Huggies. They were still trying to write the thank you cards for the industrial box packet pallet that was delivered on their front door by the uh, by 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 the postal service of the day, full of Similac. They were still very thankful for all that, but then the test came. The test came in the middle of the party. You see, there's always something on the other side of Thanksgiving. There's always something on the other side of Thanksgiving. There's always a, something on the other side of the season of life that you are right now. There's always something else uh, that's coming, but we don't have to be afraid of that because Genesis 22, 3 through 5 says this. So Abraham rose early in the morning and saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him and Isaac, his son, and he split the wood for the burnt offering. That's very important to remember. And he arose and went to the place of which God had told him. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted his eyes and saw the place afar off. So they had traveled for three days, and finally on the third day, Abraham saw the place from afar off that he was supposed to go and worship. And Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey. Stay right here. Don't go any further. Don't move. I'm asking you. I'm commanding you to stay. And the lad and I will go yonder and we will worship. And we will come back to you. We will come back to you. See, the first mention of worship in Scripture is in the middle of a test. The first, you can read your Bible this week. You can thumb through it right now. The first place in Scripture you will ever find worship. The first person in the history of humanity to worship was Abraham. And the time that worship first went forth was when he was going up a mountain knowing that he was probably going to have to sacrifice his own son. Let, let that sink in right now. And, and the application for you and I is uh, that no matter where we find ourselves, no matter how hard the period of life is, we must be able to worship. Worship was meant for the storm. Worship was birthed in the storm. Worship was created in the middle of a storm. Worship was happening while Abraham was pulling back the knife with his baby boy laying there tied to an altar that was about to be sacrificed because the Lord had said to do it. Worship happened when he did not want to do it. Worship happened when he was wanting to rebel. Worship happened when he was wanting to live life like he wanted to live 
life. Uh, worship happened when he wanted to protect uh, his baby. Worship happened uh, when he was wanting to protect uh, his family from the will of God. Uh, but if he had protected that boy from the will of God, uh, there would have never been the provision of God. Uh, for it was after the sacrifice uh, that the mountain was called Jehovah Jireh. He said, remember this mountain and call it Jireh. The Lord is my provider. The only way that you can ever testify of the provision of Almighty God is to lay everything you have in life on the altar. Some of you can't worship because you can't lay things on the altar. Some of you don't have peace because you don't have an altar. Some of you don't have happiness and purpose because you don't have worship. But if you can find that worship and you can build that worship into an altar, the Lord will keep the fire. The Lord will keep the fire. The Lord will keep the fire. It's not your job to keep the anointing flowing. It's not our job to keep, uh, uh, it's not our job to keep the church growing. It's just our job to build the altar. It's just our job to take the wood of the mountain. It's just our job to put it in place. And when we get it put in place, we might not know what we're going to do with the altar that we've built, but the Lord is going to send a ram. The Lord is going to send a new family. The Lord is going to send a hungry soul. Go read the tabernacle plan in the Old Testament. The outer courts, there was an altar there. God instructed them to build the altar. He did not instruct them to keep the fire going. He just said, you build the altar and I'll keep the fire going. Church family, we just got to keep on doing what we know to do. We just got to keep on putting wood on the altar. Make it simple. Let's make it simple. Walk into your living room if you have a fireplace and try and, cre- and you try and keep the fire going. You can't keep the fire going. You cannot manufacture fire. Yeah, you can have a little lighter. Yeah, you can have a match, uh, but you can't keep that lighter burning. You can't keep uh, 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 you can't keep that match burning. What do you have to do? You have to have a source of wood. You have to have a source of something to put on the fire to keep the flames going. Church family, if we lose our source of power the flame will go out but if we can keep if we can keep the source of power if we can keep the prayer if we can keep the fasting if we can keep the consecration Oh, I wish you believed it with me I wish you I, I, I wish you I wish you planned on doing it every day we can't keep the fire going, but we can sure enough build an altar. We can't keep, uh, we can't keep our, uh, uh, we can't keep from putting our kids uh, on the altar, but we can just do whatever God tells us to do. Please recognize that it was hard for Abraham to do that, uh, but he surrendered his family to the Lord. Uh, church family, I stand before you a blessed man with a beautiful wife and babies, uh, but if the Lord tells me to lay them on the altar, I'm going to lay them on the altar because I recognize uh, that he's doing it for a purpose. I'm never going to leave my family. I pray I never mess up morally. I pray I'm always a great dad and I never abandoned my kids. But just like God did in the Old Testament, he called a boy to the temple. He called a boy to his ministry. I pray that if the Lord calls my boy, if he calls my little girl to a mission field, I pray I don't keep them off the altar. I pray that I can put them on the altar and say, God, do whatever you want to do with them. Your will is going to be better than mine desires. 
Stand with me tonight. See, it's impossible to worship with empty hands. Worship would have never happened on Mount Moriah if Abraham went up there with empty hands. His hands were full of wood in one hand and his little boy in the other. God said, take this and go build an altar. Take this and do what I've asked you to do. And worship is never going to happen in this church if we have empty hands in this church. I, I can't explain it. I can't make it make earthly sense. I can't make it make sense in our mind, in our logic. I, I, I can't make it logical. But something happens when our hands are busy in the kingdom. Something happens when our hands are busy in what God is busy doing. Deuteronomy chapter 16, three times a year, all, all the men had to go and worship. They had to appear before the Lord at a place that he chose. It was the Feast of the Unleavened Bread. Scripture says, and they shall not appear before the Lord empty-handed. Everybody say empty-handed. Verse number 17 says, every man shall give as he is able. Every person of this church shall give as we are able. Mary and Martha worshiped Jesus with pots and pans in their hands. And then they put them down and they put his feet in their hands and they washed his feet with their hair. There was something in their hands. Noah worshiped with a hammer in his hand as he began to nail that ark. God, this doesn't make sense. Nobody has even seen this rain, this water from the sky that you're talking about. We've never seen it happen like you're saying it's going to happen. But I'm worshiping you and I'm obeying what you have commanded me to do. Moses worshiped with a staff extended over the Red Sea. While the military was chasing him, while Pharaoh and the Egyptian soldiers were chasing them down, that was worship. God, just like you provided in yesteryear, you're going to provide for your children today. And we're going to walk across the sea, and I don't know how it's going to happen, but I'll worship you, and I extend my hand that is filled with what you commanded me to put in it. David worshiped with a sling in his hand. I think you get the point. You got to have something in your hand to worship. How about this? Whatsoever thy hand find to do, do it with all thy might. You might say tonight, I only have a little bit in my hand. I can't do a lot. I can't give a lot in the offering. I only have a little bit of time that I can give. I only have a little bit of thanksgiving that I can put forth. That's fine. God's not worried about the amount. He's just worried that you give all that you have. And I believe tonight I'm, I'm talking to a church that's made up in their mind that I'm going to give everything in my hands. I'm going to submit it to him. I believe that people here tonight are making up their minds that, that whatever talent that God has blessed me with, I'm thankful for it. Whatever ability God has blessed me with it this Thanksgiving season, I'm thankful for it. But God, if you can use anything, Lord, 